Welcome to Ona, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. We take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And I know I fooled you just there, but Ross is actually not here this time. So this time it'll just be me and the spiritual teacher, Lori Spagna. So you heard about her in the Conscious Life Expo series, if you've been following the show. She was in part three. Some of her greatest hits you might remember from her talk about DNA were diabetes is an inability to accept the sweetness of life and cancer comes from old wounds and you just have to cure it through forgiveness. The cause of all problems in the world is vibrational mismatch. She said science has proven that there are 10 more strands of DNA in humans in addition to those two we've always known about since 1953, when Watson and Crick discovered the double helix. And she also said compassion allows you to access those other 10 strands. She also said AI robots are souls who have caused so much harm they can't have a body. She asked, who's afraid of viruses? And when I raised my hand, I was one of only two people in in the audience who did so, and she kind of mocked us. She told us that activating these special codes that she knows will make you immune to all viruses. This was just about a month before coronavirus hit the U.S. too. She told us medications and financial debt are all part of the old paradigm that's going away. Anyway, you get it. She said a lot of stuff. So Lori Spagna is a relevant figure today for a few reasons. One is that our society is currently having this like particularly contentious relationship to truth. So somewhere along the way, we started to think of truth as something that's different for everybody. And for a long time, we've treated it as kind of gauche to even engage with people about their beliefs, about things like the universe and God and truth. And I think there's this sort of unspoken rule that we never ask people why they believe. And I always found that a bit insulting, even when I was religious, because, you know, I felt like, well, you're just assuming I don't have a good answer. And I do. So I think the last few years have shown us just how dangerous that attitude can be. We used to hear this phrase all the time, well, well, what's the harm? And that was always delivered rhetorically, right? The answer was implied, there is no harm. Now I think you could ask the exact same question, well, what's the harm? And again, you don't even have to answer. We all know the answer is implied. It's all around us right now. And the other reason Lori is particularly relevant right now is she has a sizable internet following, and she's speaking at conferences, she's teaching workshops, she's taking donations, and I think this is where it gets the most dicey. She's performing healings and what she calls DNA activations. In a recent interview about COVID, she told a fellow YouTuber that she can heal whole groups of people at a time, and she's saying things like this. If you're afraid of getting the virus, if you're thrilled that you didn't get the virus, that means there's a victim-victimizer program running. And she goes on to say there's nothing to fear in the physical world right now, and that anyone who is dying is choosing to exit. And this health emergency isn't the only thing facing our world, or facing the U.S. in particular right now. We're also facing a record high level of unemployment a tanked economy, and if you want help with your finances, Lori offers some advice too. She teaches regularly about how to get money, even become a millionaire, mostly by changing your mindset. 
So right now, roughly one in four Americans will be out of work this month. So flippant financial advice is not inconsequential. So this conversation you're about to hear is tough. And usually I want to find common ground. I want to start from a place of understanding and work from there. And I will admit this was harder to do with Lori than with pretty much anyone else I've ever interviewed. But I believe in trying to find the truth. And Lori says she does too. So I kept at it. And if you're here because you follow Lori's teachings, I hope you'll stay through to the end and seek the truth too. So here then is the interview. I'm so excited to have our guest today. We have Reverend Lori Ann Spagna. She's a spiritual teacher, an author, a speaker, an ascension guide, multidimensional channel, intuitive, pet psychic, energy healer, light worker, visionary, and luminary. And like me, she loves animals and she loves the truth. Her books include How Psychic Are You and The Secret Energy of Money and the Spiritual Laws of Wealth. She also hosts a popular YouTube channel called Ascension and Enlightenment, where she offers wisdom, healing, and channeling sessions with beings from the great beyond. And she says her life calling is to help people wake up to the truth. So calling in from Florida, please welcome Lori Spagna. Well, hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me here today. I'm looking forward to our time together. Me too. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks because I've been watching your stuff pretty nonstop. You turn out a lot of stuff. (laughs) I do. I do turn out a lot of content. It's amazing. Yeah. How do you find the stamina? It's not even a matter of stamina. I just love it so much. It is like the divine working through me and using my body vehicle. And I just, I get charged by it. I love sharing stuff from the non-physical and from the unknown and bringing it into the known world. Okay, so doing that stuff doesn't exhaust you. Like I talked to some healers who say doing their healings, it depletes them of energy. Not the same for you? If they're getting exhausted, they're using their own energy. They should be using source energy. Source energy, it's infinite. And it is always replenishing. Ah, interesting. Okay. And it contributes to reversal of aging and age regression. They're using their own human energy. And that's not, in my opinion, not true divine healing. Okay, I want to get into that a little more, but just before we jump ahead of ourselves, I want to hear a little bit about your background, you know, where you grew up, what the early years were like. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, Where were you born? I was born in New York, outside of Manhattan in Westchester County. My storyline is this. I went through mainstream life like everybody else, and somewhere around 20 years after college, approximately, of living in mainstream America, over those 20 years, I just developed the worst habits. I was miserable. I was not aligned with my path. So I developed all these coping mechanisms that humans do, excessive drinking, excessive eating, excessive smoking, excessive caffeine, excessive spending, Mm -hmm. excessive pharmaceutical drugs from well-meaning doctors, ridiculous amounts of financial debt, Mm -hmm. you know, working the hamster wheel, the slave driver programming that is typical in our human society and a million other unhealthy behaviors. And it got to the point where it just was so bad. I was so miserable. And my brother actually died. And he became my divine wake-up call. And I started hearing and receiving messages from him that over the course of like two years, I was testing them, trying to make sure I wasn't going crazy. (sighs) And that started opening up all my gifts. 
I'll just give a little bit more to the storyline so you can sort of see how it became where I am now is that that wake up call was like, you have to change your ways. You're basically doing the same kind of lifestyle that I had. And if you don't change your ways, you're going to end up the same way I did. So I quit my six figure job with six figures of financial credit card debt. And I became a dog trainer. Okay. <laughs> right after that, the dog started talking to me. Oh, like I started okay. getting messages okay. from the animals and they were like, we're going to teach you. You listen to us and we'll teach you. Mm. And how many years were you a dog trainer then? Well, I was a professional dog trainer for a little over two years. But what happened was I was overlapping that with animal communication, telepathy. Mm. And then I started incorporating the healing arts. All of my habits, all those things I mentioned, gone forever. Like six figures in credit card debt was gone within two years. 60 pounds of overweight body weight was gone within two years. All the excessive caffeine, the excessive smoking, 100% pharmaceutical drug-free, like all the alcohol was gone, all the addictive behaviors for the most part were gone. It was all gone within two years Wow! because I righted my course. I aligned mm -hmm. myself with my true mission and passion, which is what I do now. And so before that switch, you've mentioned working in corporate America. What were you doing there? I was in business marketing. Well, first of all, I worked in cable television for a long stint of it. And then I worked in like the internet, you know, startups. And I was in event planning. I mean, I was hopping all over the place. I was just not rightly aligned. Trying to find your calling, it sounds like. Yeah. You know, you mentioned being a dog trainer, but it also seems like in a very big way, animals have always been sort of a part of your identity going back even to childhood. And you tell this really wonderful story about SeaWorld, how you went to SeaWorld when you were seven, I think. Tell me about that. I was about seven years old. I remember going to SeaWorld for the first time. And I remember walking out of, it was the Orca, you know, mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And I was holding my father's hand. And I remember saying, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to help animals. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you can't do that because you won't make any money at it. Oh, wow. So it was so pivotal because that became the inner conflict. Mm -hmm. Do what you love or make money. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. I had to reprogram my, my belief system because that had such a strong impact, so to speak, on the beliefs that I carried through during those 20 years. It was like, I have to make money. I have to make money. I have to make money. And that's just a slave's driver programming. Yeah. And I did have a very strong, real connection to animals on kind of like what I would call it in a non-physical reality my whole life, definitely, but not with any formal awareness or training. Like I knew what I was doing until much later. I really resonate with this because I've been an animal person my whole life. And I actually worked in animal rights for about seven years before switching paths. Now, I've heard you talk about factory farming, and it made me wonder if you're a vegetarian. I don't ever label myself that way. I would mm -hmm. say I am mostly vegetarian. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't eat any animals, but sometimes I'll eat a fish. And the reason I actually will sometimes eat a fish is that in all my dialogue and conversations with animals, I've asked almost every animal species I could how they feel about being eaten. Hmm. Fish are the only animals, wild fish. Like I literally have had conversations with fish who were like at the surface of water and the collective of fish. And they've all sort of answered in this kind of perplexed way, like, huh? Well, we eat each other. What's the oh. big deal? Oh, interesting. When I heard that, I thought, wow, okay, I can handle that if they're kind of like pole caught and they've lived a good life. I don't do it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would say I am 
almost 100% because most of my nutrition, I do a lot of what I call sun gazing, mm-hmm. literally breathing in and drinking in and imbibing the light of the sun, which has the capacity to fuel our body. Really? Yeah, we can all be sun gazers. Mm-hmm. As we learn how to breathe in the light and the breath of the divine, that feeds us. So the bulk of my nutrition comes from that, actually. Is the goal to eventually eliminate regular food entirely? I think I'm just following my own divine course. But yeah, I would like to be a person who doesn't really require Mm -hmm. that kind of substance. I do have a big, huge, raw green juice that I typically make with a slow-pressed juicer every day. Mm. So that's very nourishing. I do a lot of supplements, so I don't really need a lot of nutritional food in that way. The other thing that's really helpful is if people understand our unconscious has been programmed by our reptilian ancestors to believe that we need to eat animals to survive. Mm -hmm. Like I've reprogrammed my own unconscious. You also make a big point of saying humans are animals. We tend to differentiate and say humans are over here and animals are over here. But no, we are all animals. Do you believe we have a common ancestor with the other animals then? I know my stuff is really esoteric. It's very out there. But I would say that we are an intergalactic species and an interdimensional species Mm -hmm. that our DNA has codes, not only of all of our ancestors, which include what I would call reptilians, Mm -hmm. hybridized races from many intergalactic nations, actually. It includes also our future generations of who we evolve into. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to start reconnecting with both our ancestors and our future generations to awaken what's most valuable within us mm. to activate it. And how far back do you think this goes? I mean, you always hear from scientists that the Earth is, you know, somewhere around four and a half billion years old. How old do you think this all goes back? Well, I would say through eternity. So because the human brain doesn't typically understand the concept of eternity. True. For eternity, we have existed and we have eternally morphed and evolved. Mm. And so we're at a peak evolutionary point right now of what we would call linear time. And during this peak evolutionary time, our most important task as a collective species or race is to remember who we are. Mm. Who is it? We are the divine. We are all source. We are representing ourselves as embodied humans and embodied beings. But in truth, we are witnesses peering in on our reality through our awareness. So we are the awareness of ourselves waking up. So if this is a, you said this is a time when, I forget the words you used, but like a tipping point kind of of humanity. How finite is that? Do you think like this year, like 2020 is a tipping point or is it? like our generation or? Well, what I would say is this year is one of the most pivotal years anyone alive at this time on earth will experience in their lives. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you're in a really, really fear-based reality, think of it as a train. You know, that train is not really a train you want to be on. Mm -hmm. If you're in a love, joy, optimism, excitement-based reality, that's kind of like a train that you want to be on because the trains are leaving the station. Mm-hmm. In terms of, to answer your question, the finiteness, this year is most pivotal. However, it will continue to be pivotal, especially for those on the trains that are kind of going to joy, happiness, love, excitement, optimism, new beginnings, fresh starts, etc. 
those trains will continue to be revealing more and more to us over the next certainly three years, five years. Okay. What do you think we can expect in those next few years? Well, provided that you're vibrating and aligning with these opportunities of excitement, joy, more and more freedom, Mm -hmm. more liberation, more and more excitement, things that are going to be revealed to us like free energy, Nikola's Tesla's dream that was he was murdered for his dream that he tried to bring out. John F. Kennedy's dream that he tried to bring out for humanity will be revealed. Mm. We will start to see the complete eradication of the pharmaceutical drug industry, which is just designed to keep people sick. Mm-hmm. We will begin to see a reality where fewer and fewer people get sick, including animals, because we, we understand The root cause of it is everywhere we're out of alignment with love, joy, peace, happiness, etc. We will see the elimination of the old financial system, but in ways that feel good and right for us that are so freeing and liberating. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the beginning of it now, like money just being handed back to the people with zero harm, ideally, and certainly zero debt incurred. Debt meaning not only financial debt, but especially what we would refer to as karmic debt. Mm -hmm. And then if you continue to choose to serve and contribute to the greater good, however and best you're able, and to be in a state of happiness, joy, peace, and love as best as you're able, then you will be on the trains that you want to be on. One of your YouTube videos just in the last month or so, you talked about this train analogy and it, or maybe it's not even an analogy, maybe, maybe this train fact. And it sounded like it actually came as a download, like you channeled it, right? Yeah, I would say most of what I get is channeled. I don't typically do learning in a left analytical brain way. Mm-hmm. I tend to go into very, these kinds of peaceful, blissful states. And then I'll ask questions of my own higher team, benevolent beings, And also, especially when I have a large group of people with me or even animals together, for the greater good of all, information comes through to help support and assist us. And that's where most of my learning and sharing comes from. Do these people have names? Would I recognize any of these figures? Oh my God, you totally would. First of all, members of the animal kingdom always come through. Every collective species, like sub-kingdoms of the animals, they come through and they share all kinds of wisdom. Then, of course, we have tons of those ascended masters who you know who they are, Serapis Bay, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna. They're ascended masters, which means that they learned how to maintain their consciousness. Sananda, Enoch, I mean, well, Enoch's an angel. Metatron, we have angels and angel uh, gods. They're, They're all different classifications of angels and angel gods archangels, they come through, divine goddesses, they come through, and they're able to traverse these dimensions of time, space, and communicate with us into the physical world. But we have to become vibrationally compatible. So in other words, to a person who thinks it's crazy, it won't happen for them unless they decide to change their viewpoint and want to learn more and be willing. To a person who's like, hey, I don't really know about that, but I'm willing to learn They get to open the door, like right now is a door opening in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then to people who know it's possible and are already exploring it, we're already having those experiences. And you mentioned that when your brother passed away, you heard from him. Do you still hear from him? Well, that's another perfect example. Our loved ones who have crossed over, we can easily interact with them too. And yes, I do get a lot of downloads and interactions with them, my loved ones, including my brother, although not as often with my brother, unless I actively kind of seek him out. Mm. From what I know, he has sort of moved on. Like 
a few years ago, I went to tune into him and I got this incredible download awareness interaction with him that he told me that he had come back as an aborted fetus. Oh, wow. The reason he chose that for himself was because the woman who ultimately did abort him was that she was very religious and spiritual and she was so conflicted, Uh but it was ultimately the right choice. So he learned from her how to value life. Oh, wow. Because when he was alive, he had not valued his life. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. And I've heard you mention that we all sort of pick the moment that we die, whether we know we're doing that or not, right? Yeah, we do. Although we have, and this is true for animals too, we have lots of what I would call exit windows. So it's not like you only have one moment. You have multiple choice points where a window will sort of open up to you if you're ready to leave and you can make those choices. Mm. So, but yes. Gotcha. When I first heard you speak at Conscious Life Expo, I think I remember you saying that theoretically we could choose to be immortal. Well, we are immortal beings. We absolutely are. Mm. The question is, our physicality is not at this time, is not immortal. Our physical experience in this embodiment, in this lifetime is not, to the best of my knowledge, that's not yet available to us. However, that is becoming more and more available to us because we are learning how to work with our DNA. We're learning how to replenish the infinite energy of source, creator, God, the divine, Holy Spirit, whatever we call it. And we're learning to remove the aging programs. Mm. I mean, I've been playing with this for a while. So we have all kinds of aging programs in our unconscious and programs and patterns stored up in our DNA that have to be resolved and Mm. removed. Plus all fear of death and all resistance to it, that has to be resolved before we can really change our so-called death patterns in humanity. Yeah. Do you see any difference in yourself or in your body since you've been doing that? Yeah, for me, I absolutely do. I mean, I don't associate with a linear age in the same way that most humans do. And in fact, the kind of energy that I have and the kind of vitality and the ability to change physical experiences is completely different. So you wouldn't necessarily know it from the external, but internally, yes. You could sort of compare in chronology different people with their ages and you'd see how different it is for someone like me. You mentioned DNA. So I want to get to that because that's the first encounter I had with you was that I went to the Conscious Life Expo and I went to your talk about DNA. So you call yourself a DNA activator. Is that right? Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. And my my understanding, and I'm sure you can correct this and say it better, but my understanding is we all have these codes in our DNA, some in those two strands of DNA we all know, and then some in in additional hidden unknown to science strands that sort of program us to have different diseases and different life experiences, and they can be deprogrammed. Is that right? Yeah. Well, here's how I would say it. Your first two strands, those are the first two strands that humans have been actively engaged with. Mm -hmm. Those strands basically are the records of our ancestors Mm -hmm. and our genetics. And to me, from my perspective and everything I do as a DNA activator, is that those are basically corrupted for the most part. And why do we call them corrupted? Because they include disease and they include, you know, like death and they include all kinds of malefic types of things that happen to us, you know, suffering, pain. They include patterns and programs of lack, limitation, 
aging, mm. you know, all that stuff. So that can be completely reprogrammed. And this is what epigenetics is starting to study. Mm. Now, beyond the first two strands, we know we have 10 more strands of what has previously called junk or dormant, which we could also call uncoded. Mm. Those 10 strands have all of our gifts. We're all intuitive. We're all healers. We all have an original divine blueprint for perfect and ideal health and well-being. We have programs and patterns in there for rediscovering and reclaiming our divinity, our true authentic nature, our divine mission, on and on. We are all psychic. We're all gifted. Incredible superpowers are lying dormant in those 10 strands of DNA. Mm. The Western world wants our DNA so much because they're trying to figure this out for themselves. So there's the two that Watson and Crick or whoever um, discovered, and then there are 10 more that are in the spiritual realm? No, they're physical, but they've been called junk up until 2012. Got it. And in 2012, enough scientists with enough credibility declared finally when science declares it suddenly we think it's true (laughs) they declared you know there's enough credible scientific journals where it was published and made credible that the other 10 strands are not junk but rather dormant okay i thought junk dna was still at least like in the scientific understanding i thought it was still on those original two strands it was just the pieces of it that aren't doing anything is that wrong Well, I will tell you, I don't study science. I can't speak for the scientists that way. I can tell you that the first two strands are active strands, but Mm. they're corrupted. They're blueprints that are basically being read that are telling, oh, I have blonde hair. I have blue eyes. I have this or that in my lineage. I mean, it's not corrupted if you have blue eyes, but it's corrupted if you think you have breast cancer and that the only way that you can heal from the breast cancer is to slice off your breasts, which is complete ridiculousness. Mm. They're corrupted if you think that you have some form of cancer or disease that your doctor is telling you is unhealable without putting more poison into your arms. That's not even true, real, right, or accurate. And yet our Western society believes that it's real. From my vantage point, it's insanity. Um, It's correct to think that you can't heal from diabetes. I had diabetes in my family lineage. I cleared it all out. Wow. And is is everybody okay now? Yeah. Yeah. They don't even know. (laughs) It's not even a factor. (laughs) Just recently, I was working on dropping pounds, right? Uh I dropped something like 35 pounds by searching into my own DNA to figure out what is blocking me from dropping these last 35 pounds. So I start Mm. searching in my own DNA looking well, it's linked into the diabetes. It's linked into a belief system that sugar had power over me. Mm-hmm. I cleared that belief system. In two months, I dropped 35 pounds. Wow. Congrats. Yeah, I just melted away. Uh, when was that? This was in the last year. When did you start doing the the sun gazing? I started doing that probably within the last three years. Oh, okay. And it's a slow evolution. Yeah. Some of it is so intuitive. We're awakening our intuitive knowings. And we're what we're doing is we're reclaiming our own personal power within ourselves so that we no longer give consent to some outside authority to tell us it's crazy. Because if I went to a Western doctor, you know, I'm not berating Western medicine or Western doctors. Because if I had a broken leg, which I never probably wouldn't get because I'm so aligned with my mission, but if I had a problem, like I would do that. But my point is, is like 
We're reclaiming our power, our sovereignty, and our authority within our own intuitive knowing mm-hmm. to know what's best for ourselves, and to start playing with it and working with it and unlocking it and revealing it to ourselves so that we are just so amazed by what we're uncovering. Nobody ever taught me breatharianism. Nobody ever taught me sun gazing. Mm. And you had never even heard of it before. I had heard of breatharianism and sun gazing, but oh. it, when I first started hearing about it, it was like something other people did. I, right. It was the same thing as anyone's hearing about it from me right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, good point. It was that kind of thing. Uh, I never took a class in it or a workshop, but I wouldn't tell someone to stare into the bright sun. That's not what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> sure. Not saying that at all. I learned how to do it intuitively. I followed my own guidance. I do teach it how to do it in my classes, but not like it's not a workshop I do. It's it's all intuitive. And you mentioned that you have a school. So now you're teaching people to do the same sort of thing? I do all of this online in webinars. And then, of course, I do lead sacred retreats in person when we're able to travel. Like my next retreat will be a sacred crystal retreat in Arkansas. That's in September. And so the school is really all about teaching this. So people can do DNA activations through webinar Mm. and they get these codes activated in them and they start learning and unpacking the stuff for themselves. They can also come to retreat like the one in Arkansas that's coming up in September. We work with the crystals literally in a group where we we're just camaraderie, you know, we're just having fun. We're playing with this, but the crystals are storing up codes for us as well. Mm. So they're like time capsules. And when we learn to work with them and communicate with them and interact with them, they support us in activating our own dormant potential. They have codes for the DNA to help us activate that in ourselves. Have any of these people experienced physical healings? Oh my God, endless. I have people who have recovered large amounts from their Parkinson's. There's one client who had to have like a full hysterectomy. She never had to have it after the healings. She still comes on retreats and does all my classes and workshops. I've had animals who doctors thought that they had to sever their limbs and they didn't have to. They had like what we would call miracle healings. Yeah. Can you see those illnesses as well? I know some medical intuitives can like spot disease in people. Well, what I can do is scan a body on request. So I won't do it anything without conscious consent. Mm-hmm. But if a body has something in there, I can scan the body and see. And all of that, like I said, that can be cleared out. So yeah, I can scan bodies and see that. We can all do it. Yeah. We've been massively brainwashed. I will use the word brainwash. We've been mind manipulated to believe that we can't. Mm. And we've done it to ourselves. So there's no wrongness here. It's just, you know, if you're watching the nightly news and every... Five minutes a commercial comes on telling you with some sad song about how, you know, poor you. Oh, you've got this disease. You've got that. Oh, poor you. And it's playing this sad, melancholy music. And then you just get emotionally drawn into that. You start believing that stuff is true from pharmaceutical drug industries and then news telling you that there's just nothing but misery and suffering in the world. That stuff is energetically interacting with us. Mm. And the only way to reprogram ourselves essentially is to completely disentangle from that by refusing to give your consciousness to it. In fact, even if you look at the state of world affairs right now, humanity has believed that there is a state of emergency, 
But in my reality, we realize there is a state of immunity. Oh, tell me about that. I assume you're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. Every human in every animal's DNA, there are dormant codes for immunity and imperviousness. Mm -hmm. Now, those codes have to be fully activated. When they are activated, you will know, whoever you are, when you really have them activated and you've cleared out what's entangled that would in any way, shape, or form make that crazy, impossible, untrue, ridiculous, unfathomable, like all that unconscious stuff, you would walk around right now knowing, absolutely knowing that you are immune and impervious to it. However, you would also not be so foolish to throw caution to the wind and stand in front of someone who's coughing at you because you're not an idiot either. You're smart, you're wise, you've got your wisdom, your left brain is active, so you have analytical thinking. Your right brain is active because you'll have total awareness or really a lot of awareness, and your heart center will be very active, so you have emotional intelligence. You have the ability to think critically in an intelligent way with wisdom, with heart-centered awareness, and your gut brain is active too. So your gut knows what's good, right, real. Hmm. I'm trying to wrap my head around if I were confident that I was immune. I would think I would then go help people who are sick. And I probably would go stand in front of the person who's coughing if I were completely sure I wouldn't get it. It's just like you said, Carrie, you're trying to wrap your brain around it. But when it's unlocked and activated in your DNA, you don't have to wrap your brain around it. Yeah. It becomes part of your knowing because that's when the left analytical brain is overworking. This is so beyond the capacity of the limitations of the left analytical brain. Mm, Okay. So this is more about intuition. It's better than just intuition alone because we have brain matter in our heart that makes us so much more conscious and aware. And we also start activating gut matter in our gut, gut brain, literally have brain matter in our guts and in our hearts. So most humans, we're not using that. Most animals already are. Once that starts to happen in combination with awakening these codes in the DNA, then you can absolutely know, K-N-O-W, that you are immune and impervious to this kind of stuff. Okay, brain matter in your gut. Got it. I guess she's referring to the enteric nervous system. Oh, hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt here. I'm enjoying this conversation as much as you are, uh, but I thought it was important for me just to chime in just for a moment to tell you about Squarespace because you may be a graphic designer or a furniture maker, or maybe you're a museum or a record label, or maybe you're a clothing designer. Whatever you are or do or where you work, perhaps you need to make a website. That is the way that we communicate our goods, our services, our projects, our exciting events coming up. It's the way we blog or publish content. And you might be looking for a place to create said content. If so, Look no farther than Squarespace. Squarespace gives you access to beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, also 24-7 award-winning customer support. And one thing I really like about Squarespace is that you can just go there, play around with the tools. It's all web-based. You don't need to download any special software or anything. It's all right there in your browser and you get to try it out. 
See if you like it, even name your site and start building it. And only then, once you've realized, yeah, this is great for me, only then do you make the move and say, let's actually sign up for this. Let's make it real. Let's put it out in the world. So the way to do that is to check out squarespace.com slash ohno, O-H-N-O, for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ohno, O-H-N-O, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's it. That's all I wanted to tell you. Let's go back to Carrie and Lori. One of the things that I really like about you, Lori, is that I've heard you say truth is a real thing. You know, we hear some teachers talk about truth as different for everybody. You've said like, well, there's some things that are just true, like gravity. And if you don't believe in them, good for you, (laughs) but it's still the truth. And you even said when you got into this work, your big goal was to know the truth. How do you define truth? Yeah, this is awesome. So first, I want to say that truth is perspective because every perspective is a perspective that can be true according to that person or animal's perspective. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, everything can be true. However, in the search for truth, and this is one of the most important things I think for humanity to understand is that ultimately everything is true and nothing is true based on perspective, energy, and vibration. But ultimately, there are really only very few truths, absolute truths. Mm. And those absolute truths you discover through the inquiry of exploring what's true, real, right, and what's not true. So for example, cause and effect. You can deny cause and effect, but it doesn't matter if you deny it. Right. Like gravity is a law of nature. It's not universally true, but if you deny that it's true, well, then you're just in la-la land. (laughs) Right, yeah. There are laws of nature in the physical world, and they are real. If you move beyond the physical world, they're not as real. Mm. You cannot move beyond our reality in quantum physics or laws of the universe. Those are true. They are upheld in what I would say is the sixth dimensional reality, which is beyond our human experience, quantum physics validates them. Those laws of the universe, for example, cause and effect, for example, synchronicity, for example, the law of attraction, for example, the law of radiation, those are real laws. And it doesn't matter if you believe in them or not. Mm -hmm. They're real. They uphold all other reality. What about the person who says, you know, you should be checking this against the evidence? Well, I don't really care about those people because I tend to think they're quite ignorant. Mm. It's not that I don't care about them. I love them. I embrace them. But I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. My job is to discover for myself what I know to be true, real, and right, and accurate, and to do my absolute very best to be true, real, right, and accurate, and to share that with others. Mm. So if someone's a skeptic, I mean, they have every right to find out for themselves. Have at it. (laughs) Go figure it out for yourself then. If someone listening is kind of still, this is their first time dipping their toe into these kinds of subjects, what kind of sources can they start with? Because I know you've talked about the mainstream media not being so useful. So where should they turn for this kind of information? Well, let me say, with respect to that, that's different. That's not a skeptic. When someone comes forward with true inquiry, Mm -hmm. in that inquiry, like, okay, I want to learn more. I'm not sure. I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful thing. Those That's my tribe. Yeah, me too. I love that because I am that person. I want to know. I don't know what I don't know. 
I only know what I've discovered already and, and have tested and validated it so many times that I'm that certain of it. But there's infinite capacity to learn and to grow and to evolve and learn more. And I love that kind of inquiry. So, I mean, the first place I'd send people is my website, my YouTube. Those are great places to start. And then you have to learn buzzwords. But if you just Google the word dormant DNA or starseed, what is a starseed? But just searching that word will uncover a lot for you. Another one, search the words fifth dimension. Because all I teach about is about evolving out of 3D, which is the old paradigm, and evolving into and beyond 5D, or the fifth dimension. People can search that and discover. I mean, once you start learning some of these buzzwords, that really will help you. And then the other key thing I would really recommend is to, you have to have an open mind. You have to be inquiry because you're going to find a lot of stuff that's junk. Mm -hmm. It's just someone's perspective. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to really sort through a lot of junk and a lot of good stuff and then develop your discernment. Yeah, God, that's the hard part though, right? How do you tell the good stuff from the bad stuff? You don't be in a rush to try to know the answer. Hmm, okay. You mean start engaging the critical thinking that is more inquiry. Mm. What makes this true? I love that. Do you also apply that to looking at the other side of whatever issue you're investigating? Well, when you say look at the other side, I mean, what lights up for me, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that is polarity. Mm -hmm. So if one polarized experience exists, so does the other polarized experience. For me, I've come to learn that the way to resolve those issues is to come into the divine neutral, which is to understand that all exists and both polarized views exist. And again, not one is necessarily or are absolutely right or true or real. Both can coexist. Both are in harmony with regard to polarity. And I think my answer to your question, if I understand it, is do I explore all sides of things? Yes. Yeah, there are sort of two sides to every story, but usually one is more right than the other, you know? It is true that there are some things that just aren't really true. So yes, you're right about that in that sense. I mean, one of the things that's really helped me so much is the law of truth. So there is mm. a law of physics, and I don't know how physics would call it, mm -hmm. but it upholds truths. It upholds what is true because they're conscious of themselves as laws and mm -hmm. they exist on a sixth dimensional plane. I can go straight to a law and say, is this true? Once you learn how to work with truths, th this, that's a very advanced concept, right? But it will validate things for you. It will show you how things are true. Part of knowing what's true is that it will always uplift you, advance you, inspire you, or somehow expand your awareness. By contrast, go to the nightly news, five minutes, and it will shrink you, diminish you, make you smaller, make you fearful. It'll reduce you. It'll make you less than you are. It'll contract. Your body will get tense, tight, stressed, full of anxiety. Those are going to be lies. Mm. Just start tuning into your body. And even with your mind, when you get in relationship challenges with any person, place, or thing, group, or organization, if you feel somehow reduced or made smaller or less than, typically that is an unhealthy or what I would call an unholy relationship because it's reducing you. Mm. The truth of humanity is that we are absolutely at our core meant to be 100% healthy, whole, 
and living in our most ideal state of health and well-being. I don't know. My ancestors only lived to be like 30, you know, and you're, uh, you're storing something up in your DNA that believes that limitation. Oh, so do you think then that my ancestors died at that age because they saw their peers die at that age? Well, what I'm saying is, is that we're at a new point in time and space in humanity's evolution where everything that was true is no longer really true. And it's up to us to unpack it. So our ancestors, they typically, what they did was they went through experiences in what we call unconscious. And because they were unconscious, their traumas, their dramas, their upsets, their death, their disease, that unconsciousness was stored up as what I call them as corrupted records. We don't realize that's just a corrupted program in the DNA, a gift that we don't see what's inside the gift. We have to unwrap it and realize, oh, that's because they didn't realize their potential. Hmm. Why did the human, the upper end of the human lifespan increase so much around when we started to develop things like antibiotics? I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, humans chose it. Humans wanted to extend our lives. There are a bazillion things that happen. Like when you're creating that cause effect in your mind, Carrie, the cause and effect relationship of life extension is, oh, we just started adding more antibiotics. We started adding more pharmaceutical drugs. And you, Carrie, through what you just said, are revealing that you have a belief system that that is why it happened. And what I'm saying is I don't agree that that's why it happened. Right. That was one participating factor that may or may not have been the cause to the effect. Oh, I don't think it's the the only reason it happened. Yeah. But ultimately, it was because human consciousness chose to mm. extend our lives. A million other things happened. We started exercising more. Play was good. Breathing in air was um, A gazillion factors contributed to it. Yeah. It's because we chose it. I know you have to go soon. I want to ask you about money. Do you have time for that? Because this is one of your topics that you talk about a lot on the channel and you even wrote a book about it. It seems like a lot of people ask you about sort of feeling disempowered in their financial situation. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is in the old paradigm, this third dimensional paradigm that we're evolving out of, we have believed that money is limited Mm -hmm. and we have believed that we have to earn our money by working for it. And typically we have to work for someone else who controls our money, whether it's a boss, an organization, a 401k, an IRS, a stock market or whatever. Somehow we have to get our money from this kind of external source that has power over us. In reality, the new paradigm, our source of supply is our connection with the divine. Mm. And that is a limitless source of supply. The law of infinite supply, which is a law of the universe, which works in collaboration with synchronicity, cause and effect. And think about this law of radiation. So let's just take a dollar and give it out freely, joyfully. Law of radiation says, oh, she just radiated in here. She's radiating out a dollar. And now law of attraction says, oh, she's going to attract it back to her immediately. Because it was circulated out, radiated out, joyfully supplied, joyfully given, joyfully multiplied. These are all laws of the universe and attracted back to her. You see, when we understand the true dynamics of reality and the new paradigm and the infinite supply that's coming from our connection with this source, 
our whole reality with respect to money, abundance, wealth, prosperity, etc. It all changes. All a mindset. I actually read your ebook about this, The Secret Energy of Money. And, oh, awesome. And you put it really well. You said the only reason you haven't had as much money as you would have wanted is because you've somehow been walking around in a daze and therefore created a sense of lack in your own life. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you for reading that to yeah. me. I, I wrote that book quite a while ago. So <laughs> that sounds totally like me. That's so me. You've created a sense of lack in your life. It's true. I like to ask people in my classes and stuff like, where does your money come from? Yeah. People who haven't heard me will say things like, well, I get it from my inheritance or my father or my mother or my sister or my boss or my job. The ones who know me, I can always tell because they'll always say source. Mm -hmm. And through developing and strengthening your connection with that source and through the expansion of your consciousness, your awareness as you are that source and as you come into alignment with these higher knowings, you'll never have fear of money again. And you talk in the book about how tithing is an important component of this, giving approximately 10% of our income just to say, hey, source, here I am. I believe in you if you believe in me. <laughs> and then it, it kind of comes back tenfold. But one thing that surprised me in the ebook is that you said or you suggested maybe not donating those to nonprofits. Can you kind of explain your thinking there? Two factors in that. The idea that you're giving to charity or a not-for-profit cannot come from the old set of belief systems that there's lack in the world. So if you're donating to a not-for-profit, it has to come from your belief system and your knowing that you believe in the organization and that the divine is working through that organization in such a glorious and magnificent way that it's expanding and uplifting you. Mm. Because if you're giving to lack or poverty or limitation, that's not the way to celebrate the divine. That's not a tithe. A tithe is 10. It's giving to the divine to recognize that the divine is your source and your supply. So therefore you must give to the, you know, whatever glorifies you. So when I first was working and learning this stuff in my very early days of starting my own business as a spiritual healer and as an animal communicator, one of the things that gave me the greatest joy was to go to little animal charities and play with the animals mm. and give them Reiki. Mm -hmm. and I would do it out of joy, not because I felt pity or sorrow. Mm. I felt more joyful. I developed my Reiki and my healing. I expanded. And so I would donate there. But not because, you know, oh, it's so sad, these poor animals, Sarah McLaughlin song in the arms of an angel, be depressed. No, it was mm -hmm. joy that inspired the giving. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean about, you just have to be mindful. I would say, and I mean, you have free will to do whatever you want, but I'll use this word. I, I would not recommend donating to any charity or organization that tells you sad stories, horrible things, shows you pain and suffering, you know, death and disease, horrible death. Oh my God. That is not where you give your tithe to because then you're feeding and telling the universe basically that you want more of that. Plus you want to nourish those charities that really are focusing on the good. I feel like you could frame any charity that way, right? Like you could say, oh, they're not combating hunger. They're giving meals or, you know. I mean, I guess that if that's your perspective, that's not my perspective. By the way, it's also important to use your discernment because right now all your old charities are mostly corrupted. 
the vast majority of charities are completely corrupted. Really? A lot of those animal ones, sadly, they're corrupted. You have to do your research. Mm -hmm. Children's hospitals, most of them are using them as testing. You just go in there and they test on children. This is upsetting stuff. Yeah. Where's a good place to research about that? Well, you have to go on the internet and search, you know, search for credibility. Mm -hmm. What are they doing with their funds? Who's at the realms and the heads of them? That as you become more and more intuitive and as you awaken your gifts, you're going to know. But all those pink ribbon ones, they're not helping people. They're just siphoning off their money. You'll see this one I do know over the next couple of years. I'm In my reality, and as far as I know, this is happening, going to happen for the whole of humanity. The pharmaceutical drug industry is going to be exposed. So anything that's kept people sick and in a perpetual state of fighting cancer or fighting this disease or fighting that disease, no, they're not going to survive through. They're corrupted. You think those those industries will dismantle? Yes, uh, within the next few years and uh, be replaced just as quickly, like at the same time. Mm. You're not going to miss them because so much better is going to come through. Okay, just jumping back to the financial thing. Oh, one thing that you mentioned in your book is that you eliminated over $100,000 in bad debt. How did you do that? At the time I was trying to get free. This was all before that. 2008 economic collapse. Mm. So I was going to banks back then and trying to negotiate and they just weren't having it. Mm -hmm. They weren't interested. So I, where was I going to go? I went to the divine. I literally was like praying, help me. What am I going to do? I've tried everything. Mm -hmm. And what I was told by my own guidance and my connection with source was number one, start practicing forgiveness. So I started forgiving the banks. And one of the earliest things that started happening was that the banks started sending me forgiveness of my debt letters. I mean, that was a real miracle, Carrie. Hmm. Your $7,000 debt with this institution is forgiven. I could, I, mean, I was shocking. And you didn't have to file bankruptcy or anything? No. Wow. And that was part of it. And then there was monies that came through that helped me pay off some of it, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I was doing the inner work with the divine. And in, in your book, you also reframe the concept of a millionaire, which has become sort of a bad word in our culture, right? You hear billionaires shouldn't exist, millionaires shouldn't exist. But you reframe it as like, no, you're just, you're owning your own abundance. And that made me wonder, are you, can I ask this? Are you a millionaire yet? Oh, I'm not a millionaire in that sense. Oh, uh, okay. But what I would say is that I have so much more than I can possibly imagine. One of the things I teach about, which is not in that book, but I do teach about this and I definitely do have YouTube videos on it, is our benefactors. Because as we level up into a 5D reality, we all have benefactors. Things that we never imagined, like trust funds, become available to us that we just didn't know we had. Oh, Not all of us, but I mean, it depends. And we all have our own journeys. Oh, uh, do you understand? So did a trust fund come through for you? Is that what you're saying? Not in a way that a left analytical brain would perceive it, but yes. And I have benefactors who have supported and assisted me on the journey. And we all have benefactors. And benefactors are always both parties or all the parties benefit. And it's always in ways that are aligned with integrity and for the good of all with harm to none. Mm. What do you say to the person who's listening to this and says, someone else is just footing her bills? Yeah, well, I didn't have that when I lost everything. I didn't have that while I was working in corporate America, slaving away. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have that while I was miserable. 
I didn't have that while I was trying to do it myself. Mm. Didn't have that. It was not revealed to me until I got online and started following what I'm teaching here. See, I was meant to be a spiritual teacher and healer. Mm-hmm. Meant to do the work that I'm doing. So the universe is completely supporting me. I'm just saying when you're aligned with your mission, what's right for you, you will have so much abundance. What I need and want is supplied for me. Did you grow up in poverty or did you grow up in wealth? I actually grew up in a family where there was a gas break mentality. Mm. We have it. We don't have it. Mm. Spend. We got to pull back. Gas Mm -hmm. break. Gas break. Mm -hmm. And actually my family lineage, I would say, was quite poor. Mm. My grandfather was an, a metal worker who came over on the boat, went through Ellis Island, you know, an Italian metal worker. And my mother's side, they were all poor. So mm-hmm. my age was very poor. And if I, you know, for those of you who are into past lifetimes, I would say I've lived almost every lifetime poor. None as a pre, you know, mm-hmm. witch. I mean, all those kinds of lifetimes. You know, I, I have a lifetime of a kind of Norma Ray type of character. Mm. You know, <laughs> we had... Because my father worked and he created his wealth himself, but it was always gas break. So then your father isn't the CEO of a marketing firm? No, he is the CEO of a marketing firm. Okay. And does he have a $3 million house in New York? So I think, Carrie, maybe you're getting a little personal, but maybe for me. And I think maybe I would rather not go down my family lineage, but my father is his own business corporation. Yeah, he does Mm -hmm. work. Okay. Is he one of those benefactors? So, and I would rather keep this out of it because I don't think this is public information. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. Because I, I don't, my family's story is their story. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think that when you get start getting into that stuff, that's appropriate for right now. It's their story. Okay. I don't know. I mean, you said you were an open book, so. My family has to varying degrees. How, just sounds like you've done research on my personal story that maybe isn't appropriate for right here and right now. But what I will say is that my family has been one of those triggering people, groups who have to some degree really helped me and to other degrees really hurt me. Yeah. That's been part of my journey. Yeah. The other thing I will say too is like, that was part of my own karmic work to do. So with that though, I do need to go. Sorry. I have a class that I'm teaching. Can I ask you one more question? I just want to thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, your nonprofit, Eiffel's God, is that an okay one for people to donate to? Yeah, I mean, it's a not, it's a registered not-for-profit, and that is that is what I do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So why and can't? I'd love, to, I'd love to just mention my website, lorispagna.com. I'm happy to have people learn more, and they can always go to the website, lorispagna.com, and there's lots of free gifts there, lots of great things they can learn about. Yeah, they can learn how to get rich and fix their DNA? Yeah, I would say also, just to be clear, Carrie, Mm -hmm. my work is not about teaching people to get rich. I'm not teaching millionaire stuff. That's not where I go. I'm teaching spiritual lessons and how to resolve things spiritually. You went down that and I went down that lane with you. Mm -hmm. Well, you you wrote a whole book about it. (laughs) I wrote a book about it. Yeah, it's money is part of our life. Mm -hmm. My mission is not about money. My mission is about using all the tools of source, spiritual enlightenment, spiritual wisdom, et cetera, to help people to awaken, to help people come into. Money's just one teeny little piece. 
It's such a small piece. It's so relatively insignificant compared to all the things there are to grow, to expand, to learn. If you were willing to talk about it, that that was important to you, I went there with yeah, it. thank you. And I'm, I don't mind talking about it, but that's not my true mission. And when you start bringing in my parents and their story, it's not related. I guess just if you're telling people that their mindset is what's relevant, then it's relevant where your mindset came from, right? Like I can, I can understand why you don't have an attitude of lack, why you don't have a mindset of lack if, you know, you were born into wealth. Well, I wouldn't say I was born into wealth, and that's not the conversation we had. I would say I was born into more poverty. That's what I would say. There was gas break mentality. Mm -hmm. So I think I made that clear, and I'm not sure why this is so important to you in that sense, but... Well, because it's something that you teach about. I really have to go because I have to get okay. ready for the class. I understand. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it. Thank you to Lori Spagna for staying on the phone with me, talking out some really difficult questions toward the end there. Our conversation was challenging for me because Lori and I see the world very differently. But I think there's a lesson here about exposure, about people like me being willing to expose ourselves to conversations that are difficult, but that help us understand other people's perspectives. And for people like Lori, exposing yourself to conversations that will challenge your claims, challenge your beliefs. If your life has been mostly marked by privilege, as mine has, or if it's been mostly marked by wealth, if your society has cushioned you from disease through herd immunity, or policymakers and scientists have built a protective scaffolding around your society so that your life is hundreds of times better than your ancestors of just a couple generations ago. I mean, that's the experience for a lot of white upper-class people in America, so if that's you, then your perspective is limited by your privilege. And all of us have limited perspectives. So knowing the backstory of this teacher who claims to be blowing open all our previous notions about truth, I think that backstory really matters. In a recent YouTube interview, Lori called this pandemic a wonderful timeout that has been offered to us by the divine. And she said, we have all our needs met. Meanwhile, the United Nations just said that the expected number of hunger-related deaths will double this year due to this pandemic. If you don't intentionally expose yourself to the world beyond the echo chamber of the internet or your social group or your personal history, you can miss quite a lot. You'll also recall that Lori said she doesn't do science. Maybe that doesn't come as a surprise, but it kind of does to me because she's talking about stuff like DNA strands, things that we didn't even know about until pretty recently, right? The same year we got color TV, 1953. That's the year we learned about the double helix and only because of science. But nevertheless, she says science backs her up on some of her claims, and especially around things like quantum physics. So to check on that backup, I reached out to Jason Rosenhaus. He's a professor at James Madison University. He has a PhD in mathematics from Dartmouth. If you're hearing mathematics and thinking, what? what's that got to do with it? Quantum physics is deeply intertwined with math. So I sent him four of Lori's statements about the laws of physics, which she says science upholds. So Dr. Rosenhaus very politely replied, you know, there's an expression in science that I like. Some ideas 
are so bad, they're not even wrong. And he said, I think that applies here. Those quotes are almost complete gibberish. It's hard to discern even what she intends to say, much less try to correct it. But then he tried. He noted in particular that Lori begins from a rational place. She says that we're all bound by physical laws and by the truth. Then he went on, but her list of laws is very strange. A cause and effect, that's not a law. I've never heard of the laws of circulation or radiation. I don't know what she means by synchronicity. I have no idea even what it could possibly mean to say there is a law of physics that upholds truth. He actually suggested that that she made up from whole cloth. So Dr. Rosenhaus closed his email with this. He said, There's a whole industry of people just trying to make a quick buck by taking advantage of people's ignorance of science. And as we're seeing in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, scientific ignorance gets people killed. This stuff is serious business. So as you know, Lori and I also ended our conversation by talking about finances and about her personal background in that way. And by the way, sure, it took some research to figure out her family's story, but it's hardly private information. And yes, they own a $3 million mansion on a private waterfront in New York. And without going into too much detail, there's scant evidence that Lori was ever without this sort of financial parachute. And listen, lots of people grow up in wealthy families, and they learn something from their parents about wealth and investment or business, and maybe they go on to teach about that or to write books about that. But Lori paints herself as something completely different, someone who grew up in poverty but turned things around almost entirely by her mindset. But in our conversation, Lori was pretty adamant that getting rich isn't a major part of her teaching, that she isn't here to teach people to get rich. So I went back to her ebook, The Secret Energy of Money and the Spiritual Laws of Wealth, Abundance, and Prosperity. So in one chapter called The Law of Affirming, she recommends repeating some affirmations, and here are a few. I have a right to riches because I am a child of God. I am a money magnet. Millions of dollars come to me for use of good in the world. The more money I spend, the more money I have. I am divinely guided to experience life as a millionaire. Hmm. She also lists some excuses that get in the way of our abundance, things we tell ourselves that are not true, and among those are, I have to work to get money, it's a struggle to have money, and I am not trying to become a millionaire. Hmm. Uh, This all feels uncomfortable, right? Like, I feel awkward pawing into someone's financial backgrounds and their personal history, But, you know, it matters here. Lori's essentially asking you to put aside all the things experts tell us about hard work and saving money and structural inequality and buy into her premise that anyone can be rich if they just change their mindset. And repeatedly, she uses herself as an example. So as uncomfortable as it is, we have to look at that example closely before we dive into the deep end of this philosophy. But anyway, does any of that matter? She's using her own personal history to prop up the theory, but you know, so what? I mean, your brain can get in the way, and a positive attitude can be part of a successful financial strategy, so who cares? Well, that's not the only advice you will get in Lori's book. So according to the book, the first law of prosperity is tithing, which Lori defines as giving 10% of your income to whoever you receive your spiritual food from. Hmm. Maybe you need more information. Okay, go to lorispagna.com and click on the donation slash tithing page. There, you're invited to tithe to Lori as a demonstration of gratitude and appreciation for her services. And she goes on, equally important, these donations help you 
to stay in flow with original source abundance and prosperity. Hmm. And for reasons I can't quite figure out, the page also says that donations received there are not tax deductible, which is weird since her her nonprofit is a registered nonprofit. But don't worry, it's the good kind of nonprofit, I guess, because, you know, it teaches abundance. So at Conscious Life Expo, Lori said, I can love anyone. I really can. And I hope that's true. And she also said that a lot of people have what she calls an insignificance complex. She said, if you haven't been famous or acknowledged, this is a burden you carry. Sometimes I think it's interesting to look at someone's backgrounds and look at their teachings and ask, maybe instead of saying something about how I should live my life, it says something about them, about what they've experienced. Ross and I have talked a lot of times about how religions and philosophies often come from the leader's own idiosyncrasies, writ large, imposed on the rest of humanity. I would suggest maybe that's happening all around. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode was edited by me and Ross and Victor Figueroa. You can support us by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. You can find us on social media at Ono Podcast on Twitter or at Facebook.com slash OnRack. Or you can support us by leaving a positive review saying, I love this show. I really, really, really hope it becomes number one above Joel Osteen on the Spirituality Channel. Amen. And then sign your name. You can also go to our bookshop.org page and find our reading lists. And remember. First, let's talk about this idea of a global pandemic and a global virus. Please, please know that what we're being told in the mainstream media is all misinformation. There really is, for the most part, almost nothing, almost nothing that is trustworthy, reliable, or true on the mainstream media, unfortunately. And this is something that's come through the channeling, a couple of recent channels I did, that just, I'm just going to say it. If anything makes you feel afraid, it's a lie. This is the law of truth came through in a recent channel in one of the calls I did. You may have seen it. And it basically said, if it makes you feel fearful, trust that it is a lie. And if it makes you feel somehow uplifted or elevated, trust that it is a truth or a fact. So let's dissect this concept of pandemic virus. And I'm a truther. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Dr. Game Show is my favorite podcast and the only podcast my parents let me listen to because I'm 12. But even old people love this show. Basically, you call in, play games, and have fun. If you win a game, a baby will send you a magnet in the mail. I have so many magnets and put them all over my locker and pretty much everyone at school is jealous because they are very cool custom magnets and it also means that I'm really good at winning games. And they even let me practice my record live on the air.
listening to this show is like going to a real doctor, but pretty much kind of better. Dr. Game Show Rock. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. Hey, I'm Janet Farney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.